0: Back in 1995, a small independent publishing house based in Bloomsbury, um, here in London, um, took a punt on an author named Joanne and a book that she had about a young wizard called Harry. Um, The author was unknown at the time, so they only printed 500 copies of the first hardback uh, print run But that book, and the subsequent six instalments, has now sold over 600 million copies and still counting. It's been translated into 84 languages uh, around the world. It has spawned a global media empire with films, six billion pounds, video games, and a theme park, and has transformed uh, Bloomsbury Publishing House into one of the most successful children's publishers of all time. Uh, But did you know that J.K. Rowling was rejected by more than 12 publishers before she was finally accepted the Harry Potter manuscript uh, in the end? So there were 12 rejections, 12 publishers telling her, nothing to this. And despite setback and setback and setback, she kept going, she kept persevering, she kept sending this manuscript out until finally it was accepted by one publisher and then turned into this global cultural phenomenon. As we come to the end of our sermon series in the book of Acts, we're going to see that you and I can have even more confidence than J.K. Rowling with her Harry Potter manuscript when it comes to the spread of the gospel message and the growth of the church despite setback and setback and setback to the very ends of the earth. And this is so important for us to grasp today. In a climate where if you hear the latest media reports you're told that the British people are exiting the church in droves that there are now calls to disestablish the Church of England because it is no longer, for the first time in history, a majority religion in this country. But if you read the latest census reports, did you know that this... Borough of London, the borough of Islington has more percentage of nuns than any other borough in London. Forty, when I say nuns, not religious nuns, right? With the habits, nuns. So those who, in the census, when they say which religion do you affiliate with, they say non. One third of these nuns describe themselves as extremely hostile to religion. One quarter of them believe religion to be comparable to smallpox in this borough. So I wouldn't be surprised if you and I might be feeling a little bit hesitant when it comes to sharing our faith in Jesus with those we live with and in this current climate that we find ourselves in. And if not a little bit hesitant, you might be wondering, what on earth is God doing in this country? And where's it going to all end up? And perhaps at times, you sense doubts beginning to creep in about your own personal faith in Jesus Christ. Is it really real? Is Jesus really who he says he is? What we're going to see today is God will grow his church despite setbacks and setbacks, hindrances, rejections. God will grow the church to be the ultimate, eternal, social and cultural phenomenon that the world has ever known and will know. So that's where we're going. First, God will unexpectedly Grow his church verses 11 to 16 look down with me at verse 11 on page 1126 after three months we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island it was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux we put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days from there we set sail and arrived at Regium The next day, the south wind came up and on the following day, we reached Patioli. There, we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. And so we came to Rome. So, matter of fact. I mean, talk about an understatement. And so we came to Rome. This is what the whole book has been looking forward to. Do you remember all the way back in chapter one, maybe don't, chapter one, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you, church, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as we've been going through the book of Acts, we've seen God time and time again, fulfill his promise, fulfill his promise, despite like setback and hindrance and rejection. Chapters one to seven, God growing his church in Jerusalem and Judea. Chapters eight to 12, God growing his church in Samaria. Chapters 13 to 28, God growing his church to the ends of the earth as finally the gospel comes to Rome through the Apostle Paul. Rome, the launch pad to the rest of the world. God will grow his church. A growth which continues to this very day. All the way back in Acts chapter 1 there are 120 believers. By the end of chapter 2 after the day of Pentecost, the Spirit filling the church 3,000 Believers By 300 AD 10 million believers 10% of people in Rome trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ Fast forward to the 1900 600 million Christian believers By 2010 2.3 billion followers of Christ Today a third of the world's population professes faith in Jesus Christ The largest, most diverse, multi-ethnic multicultural movement in all of history we see a bit of it here in this local church God will grow his church and God grows his church unexpectedly verse 16 when we got to Rome when we got to Rome Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him the book of Acts we have seen religious opposition economic obstruction, internal hypocrisy church fiction, friction, persecution martyrdom, storms and shipwrecks court trials, imprisonment, snake bites and now house arrest and yet through it all God grows his church as more and more people hear the good news about Jesus Christ and put their faith in him. Take Paul himself. He was the most fervent critic and persecutor of the church in the early chapters of Acts, and God chose him and used him to be his special envoy to the Gentile world. I mean, you just can't make this sort of stuff up. God really does work in mysterious ways, unexpected ways, as he grows his church and the gospel spreads to the ends of the earth. Don't worry about what is going on in the church in this country. With those rejecting Christianity, with the calls that established the church, with those who are extremely hostile to religion, God knows perfectly well what he is doing. In each country, across the world, at any given time. Yes, the majority of the olden Christian denominations are shrinking in this country. Did you know that every single new Christian denomination founded post-1900 in this country is growing? Yes, nominal Christianity is certainly declining in this country so that fewer and fewer people identify as Christian on the national census, but actually weekly church attendance remains steady across the country and in London is increasing up 16% in the seven years between the last two church censuses. God will grow his church. In ways we don't expect this country, across the world, sometimes in numbers, sometimes in spiritual death, there are periods of growth, there are periods of decline. God knows exactly what he's doing, but overall, globally, God continues to grow his church and spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Even though there's been a rise in these so-called nuns in Western Europe and North America, according to the latest Pew Research Center results, religious affiliation across the world is actually on the rise. As more and more people are turning to Jesus Christ as the one true God and the only Savior we have and need. God will unexpectedly Grow his church. Secondly, in verses 17 to 30, we see that God will unexpectedly grow his church despite hindrance and despite rejection. So here is the Apostle Paul. He's finally made it to Rome, but do you notice that his freedoms have been massively curtailed, his personal freedoms. He's under house arrest. He can't leave home. He's bound with a chain, in verse 20, to a soldier who is guarding him. I mean, can you imagine that? But does Paul moan? Does Paul complain? Does God, does Paul curse God for bringing this restrained circumstance? In? And they, what am I meant to do now? How am I going to spread the message? None of that. We see in verse 17. Three days later, Paul called together the local Jewish leaders. If I can't go to them, I'll invite them here. Only gives himself three days to acclimatise to his new surroundings. He's on it. He's ready to go. Verse 23. Paul witnessed to them from morning till evening explaining about the kingdom of God. And that's quite a house Bible study, isn't it? And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. I mean, Paul is all about Jesus. It's all about him. He is the Lord of all. He's the savior of the world. He's risen from the dead. He's alive. Trust in him for the forgiveness of sins, for the gift of the spirit just can't help but want to share Jesus with others. Verse 30, for two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Without hindrance. Because he seems pretty hindered to me as a prisoner under house arrest. Trained to a guard. But that doesn't stop Paul. And it certainly doesn't stop God spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. John Bunyan, Puritan pastor from the 1600s, wrote the famous book Pilgrim's Progress. He was imprisoned for a total of 12 years for the crime of holding religious gatherings that the governing authorities here in England didn't approve of. Yet it was actually from his prison cell that Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress which subsequently went on for several centuries to be the second best-selling book in the world after the Bible. And in addition to writing Pilgrim's Progress Bunyan was also able to keep preaching the gospel verbally as well. The prison cell had a window in it (laughs) at the top and for many days Bunyan would preach loudly enough for the voice to be heard out of his window and over the walls surrounding the prison such that hundreds of listeners would come consisting of both Christians and non-Christians who eagerly awaited his sermons. I mean, you just can't hinder the word of God. You can't hinder the spread of the gospel. God will grow his church despite any hindrance thrown at it. Now look, it's doubtful that you and I will face what John Bunyan faced. But what are some of the hindrances that you think about or in your life that hit, hold you back from sharing your faith in Jesus Christ? Just started a new job. I'm very junior. I'll wait till I'm a little bit more senior, more established. Then I'll open up about me being a Christian and what that means. Where I'm living at the moment, it's only temporary, just renting for a little bit. Hopefully, going to move. Hopefully, going to find myself a a place that's more permanent. And once I'm there, and I'm permanent and settled, then I'll get to know my neighbours and the people in the block of flats, and be more front foot in showing my faith with others. I've got a young family. It's just incredibly busy. It's just so hard to prioritize. I'm just bouncing from one thing to the next. I'm so tired at the moment. I think I'll wait until sleep routine's more settled, when life's a little bit more easier. Then I'll share my faith with those around me. Got exams coming up. Really important. Need to revise really hard. I'll wait till they're all over. If whatever the hindrance is, please, please do not underestimate the ability of God to use you and spread the gospel no matter the hindrances you are facing. He can use the Apostle Paul in house arrest. He can use John Bunyan from prison. He can certainly use you and me, whatever you are going through right now. God will unexpectedly grow his church despite hindrance and despite rejection. Verse 24 Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe there is always going to be a mixed response to Jesus and the message of salvation do not be surprised by it do not be put off don't be discouraged by it people rejected Jesus people rejected Paul people reject you as you follow Christ and share the message totally normal to be expected Paul warns the Jewish people here not to let their hearts become calloused like their ancestors but even if that does happen And they reject the opportunity of salvation. Paul says the message will continue to spread out to others. Verse 28. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. God will grow his church despite rejection. Take it on. Ever since the 1979 Islamic Revolution, the Iranian regime has used various means and mechanisms to coerce, pressurize, and eliminate opposition groups from any form of dissent. And yet despite, back in 1979, there had only been 500 Christians, today, there are hundreds of thousands of Christians with the Iranian church, the fastest growing Christian movement in the world. God will grow his church despite rejection. South Korea, despite its small population and Christian minority of 29%, the country of South Korea now exports the second largest number of missionaries to any other country in the world. China, a country that has tried to enforce no religion. And yet Christianity is spreading so fast there that experts believe China could have more Christians than the US by 2030 and that it could be a majority Christian country by 2050. Be encouraged by the powerful God we serve and we belong to, who has poured out his spirit on the church, and he's growing the church, despite whatever anyone or anything throws at her. So take comfort here in the UK. Our freedoms as Christians are being curtailed more and more, and we should do all we can through prayer and any legal means to prevent that from happening. And yet, no matter how bad it may become, that will not limit, hinder, or stop God growing his church here. And even if more and more people leave the institutional church, what might God do? Through house groups, house Bible studies, house arrest, or even from prison cells. He's done it before. He can easily do it again. God will grow his church now even though God's doing all this God's growing the church unexpectedly despite hindrance despite rejection let's make sure we all see the special role God gives us in it so thirdly and finally God will unexpectedly grow his church through you I'm not sure what you thought of the book of Acts as it comes to an end here do you think it was a little bit abrupt a little little bit sudden a little bit unfinished I mean what happened to Paul after those two years Did he go on his next missionary journey? Was he released? Was he martyred? What happened? We're not told. Presumably because we don't need to be told. The book of Acts is not primarily a biography about Paul as important as he is in God's plan of salvation. First and foremost, this is a book about how God spreads the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what this story is and it's a story God now includes you and I in. Acts 29, as some churches call themselves, or some mission agencies call themselves, we now take it on as God empowers us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. If you're someone here looking into Christian things, it's wonderful to have you with us today. There is a warning here not to reject the message of salvation, to not let our hearts become calloused, but to trust in Jesus who's risen from the dead and receive the forgiveness of sins, the gift of the Spirit, and you can be absolutely assured of your salvation on the final judgment day. For those of us here who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, which is most of us here, here is an encouragement to join in with what God is doing, growing the church, as he empowers you and me with the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses wherever he places us. We've seen throughout this book, but even here in this section, we've seen the content of our witness, verses 23 and 31, the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen who to witness to, verses 17 and 28. Jews and Gentiles, that means anyone and everyone. We see how to witness, verses 23 and 31, explaining, persuading, proclaiming, and teaching with great boldness. Why we should witness, verse 28, because Jesus Christ is God's only means of salvation. The result of our witness, verses 23 and 24, some will believe and some won't. So let's get going, God says. And let's go out on witness in the power of the Spirit and see what the Lord does. Who might the Lord be wanting you to share the message of Jesus with in the week ahead? Now, as I ask that question, it could be a lot of excuses come to mind. I say that because I know it happens in my own heart. I'm too busy. I don't know what to say, I don't know any people outside the church, I don't know how to deal with objections, I don't want to offend people, I don't want people to see me as crazy or weird. Do not doubt the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you to help you to be a witness to Jesus Christ. In our Inspire group, week before last, we were considering this very question. Who might the Lord be leading us to want to share our faith in Jesus with? One individual in the group, who I've asked permission to share the story with you this morning, felt that the Lord was calling her to get to know people more in the orchestra where she plays, and maybe an opportunity to share Jesus would would come up. And so we prayed for her. thought, okay, let's see what the Lord does over the next couple of weeks. That very next Sunday, she comes to church, comes to the 11am service because she's been invited to Ben Carroll Green's baptism Ben the son of Dan and Sarah and at the lunch afterwards one of Dan's friends from law school days is there recently got married and the wife just happens to play in the orchestra the same orchestra as the person who's praying for an opportunity <laughs> okay so you you want an opportunity to share your faith with someone? I'll tell you what, I'll bring him to church for you next Sunday just to make it nice and easy for you. It's astounding. Do not underestimate the power of God in our lives. Now, we can't do it in our own strength. I can't. Witness to Jesus. It's impossible by ourselves. Absolutely impossible. We are not by ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit with us. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit, it's come on us, on the church, on the day of Pentecost. You will be my witness. Only then will we be witnesses. So let's go and let's pray like this person did and see what the Lord can do as he grows his church and more and more people hear about Jesus and come to know about him. It's the greatest cultural, social phenomenon you can ever be a part of begins now, stretches into eternity. Be encouraged as we come to this end of this series to go out on witness for Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Let me pray that for us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for the book of Acts. We thank and praise you for this reassurance that you are growing your church across the globe in the power of the Spirit through us, weak, fallible, sinful people. Ah, oh, but we thank you for the power of the Spirit. Thank you that you will grow it despite hindrances, rejections, or our own weakness and failures. Please would you embolden us in your strength to think who have you put in our lives? Who can we shed you? Who can we pray for? And then who can we step out in faith in the week ahead to share the greatest news any human being could ever hear? We ask for your help, your strength, your boldness.